welcome to Beaver Lodge Alliance's sermon podcast. We're so glad to join you. This is the latest sermon. We pray that you would receive encouragement, exhortation, and that Jesus would speak to you through this sermon. Enjoy. Well, it's good to see all of you this morning. It's a combination when you know you're speaking, you think, what if no one comes? And then you say, oh, I wish no one would come. <laughs> well, I'm Esther Johnstone, and I have the privilege to speak this morning, and which I have done quite a few years in a row, except one year when uh, Nate was going to speak and he had COVID down in Mexico City, so that didn't happen. But it's hilarious because I could just whip out last year's message or the one three years ago or four or whatever it was, but, and just kind of polish it up. But as I was thinking about speaking, it just came to me all that I'm supposed to share this morning. Well, this past week I decided to have my car washed. And since I cannot stand very long to hang on to one of those pressure-crazed wands, I had to go to the automatic wash. Well, I had pulled over too far, but I'd pulled over so that I could just roll the window down and, and uh, you know, set up my wash. But I had failed to look forward and see exactly where I should be to go into the car wash. Well, as I drove in, of course, it, if you've been there, it has the directions, a little red thing. And the automatic door closed behind me. And the, but the directions kept telling me to back up. But I, you can't see. You can't see where you're going. And of course, there's this great big sign on the side that says, don't get out of your car. And of course, I didn't want to because the wash hadn't started. And, but I, what on earth could I do? I could not figure out just how I, and I could feel something, you know, like when you're on skids, and what's going on here? Well, I just sat there. I thought, well, what now? Well, the worst thing is, I just have to wait till somebody wants to use the car wash behind me. Um, now, I saw the big phone number, or the phone number in big letters, but I had left my phone at home, and, but it said, stay in your car. And there was no problem with that. I was staying. Now, I didn't really panic because, you know, I was staying in my car and it was safe so far. So uh, then suddenly the automatic door opened in front of me. And I put the car in drive. And it didn't, I don't even know if it said drive slowly. You know, when it says to go out, to exit, I just thought, I have to get out of here. So I put it into drive and off I fled, really. And then I went around to the front there and I asked, you know, this has happened to me. I mean, it's my own fault. And they, of course, gave me a little slip. Well, Lyle came out, he's the owner. And he reset the thing. Now, he didn't lecture me which he easily could have. He just said in a kind way, 
I will help you. And I thought, you know, this is just like as we face 2024. We may not know what's coming, and we may not always line up the way we should, and we know in our hearts we should, uh, but God isn't up there wagging his finger at us and saying, you know, you know better. What are you doing? But we have to trust. And so I had to trust Lyle to guide me and that he would sort out the mess, and, which he did. So my car is washed, by the way. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> I don't know about you, but during the months of COVID, I had allowed my vo motivation to waver. And I'm sure a lot of you did too, because all of a sudden things were in place, and rightly so, uh, so that we couldn't go anywhere. Well, I live in my house alone, and so there I was. It seemed like there was little purpose for me. The days seemed so very long, and I was at my wit's end as my life kind of dragged. I was able to do some tutoring on Skype, which most of you know that I love tutoring. And I helped a few students. And then I even wrote donor letters, thank you letters, for uh, an NGO, a nonprofit organization, which I continue to do, which I really enjoy. But I was far from busy. And I would have to say that, you know, a lot of those days, I wasted an awful lot of time, at least in retrospect, because my life up to that point had been very busy and I would never, like the worst thing for me to do was to waste time. Well, there I was doing that. And I tried to read. I have a lot of biographies and I love reading them and it certainly is good to reread them every once in a while. But my concentration span was so blooming short, like ugh, 15, 20 minutes, that was it. And it seemed like I was at a very low point. Well, slowly and surely, things picked up. However, if I were honest, I would have to tell you that my faith was not where it was pre-COVID. Although, who can tell? You know, we, we like to figure out where our faith is at. How do we know? We don't. Uh, oh, some circumstances came to play. And that's the thing. We don't always know how our health issues are affecting our souls, our spiritual health. And I really want to continue building a life of faith that we've been singing about and talking about. So this morning I've been led to draw your attempt, attention to a rather broad topic, faith. Well, we know that the faith chapter is Hebrews 11. And although we don't know who wrote Hebrews, which kind of intrigues me, I think at the end of Hebrews it sounds like Paul, and apparently the early church fathers thought it was Paul, but now scholars are re-reading it and thinking, well, who, who could it be? But we don't actually need to know who wrote it. It's in the canon, and thank the Lord it is. And it says there in Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for, and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And in the Passion Bible, it has the whole list of the ones that they put down. 
And I love the verbs, just camping out on them. Things that I can claim for me and for you. Uh, verse 3, faith empowers us to see the universe. Faith moved Abel to choose. Faith lifted Enoch. Faith living within us to please God. Faith opened Noah's heart to receive. Faith motivated Abraham to obey God's call. Sarah's faith embraced the miracle power. Heroes saw beyond, fixed on what was far greater. The power of faith prompted Isaac. Jacob worshipped in faith's reality. Faith inspired Joseph and opened his eyes to see into the future. Faith prompted the parents of Moses. Faith enabled Moses to choose God's will. Faith stirred Moses to perform. Faith opened the way for the Hebrews to cross the Red Sea. Faith pulled down Jericho's walls. Faith provided a way of escape for Rahab. Well, you know, those were highlighted. And if you know the stories or don't know them, you can actually go back and read about them. But I like what, okay, I have this book by Rob Reamer. And a couple years ago, we studied his book on soul care, which I need to dig out again and, and go through it. But this is a follow-up, really. And this is what he says, which kind of, yes, it's true, Rob. This is what we often think. It says, we love those stories. We want to be counted among those giants, those giant saints who believed God for miraculous intervention and leave, lived to see the day when it came. But not everyone in the passage had a great outcome on earth. We have to read on. Pick up again at Hebrews 11:35. It says, there were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. We aren't quite as eager to be included in the ranks of these faith-filled and faithful. And the, he goes on to say, uh, they sacrificed so that they could receive their promises. We love those stories. And actually, as I read that, I was thinking of places in the world where people are facing jeering and flogging and jail and chains and uh, displacement and all kinds of things. So there's that. But Hebrews 12, 1 and 2a says, Therefore, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. And I think that during that COVID time, I had taken my eyes off Jesus and my eyes were on circumstances and happenings and restrictions and all of that. Well, listen how Eugene Peterson in the Message Bible uh, wrote, wrote Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. It says, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, 
all these veterans cheering us on, it means we better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item. That long litany of hostility he plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. While going back to Hebrews chapter 10, we see a whole bunch of things called let us. And this is what we can do in 2024. Uh, verse 22, let us draw near. 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope. Verse 24, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. 25, uh, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Let us encourage one another. And I would say that during the COVID time, when I'd be sitting at home and watching the sermon and being there, so different. And then one day I thought, what am I doing sitting here at home? Get yourself out that door and go to church this morning. Well, it was huge. It's just a huge difference to have you seated right here and be part of it. Plus, plus mingling with others. So it says right there, do not give up meeting together how much more important it is today and how it does build our faith and as we chat with one another about what's happening. And verse, chapter 13, verse 15 says, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. So let's come back to the patterns we've learned in our emphasis on prayer, gratitude, lament, intercession, Let's come back to the patterns in Hebrews. I don't know you, about you, but I have needed a good shaking of where I allowed myself to sink into during that COVID time. I was isolated, and after a bit, I kind of enjoyed the silence and the solitude. You kind of work into it. And then it was hard to actually get out the door. But that was not a healthy space. I now see so much more clearly just how I focused on the circumstances around me, all the restraints, all the mess in the entire world. And right now, as Greg has mentioned too, the wars and the mess in the world, I was melancholic, rather depressed. I couldn't focus on reading. Uh, I was actually quite burned out. In his book, Rob Reamer also cites Pilgrim's Progress. You know, the story of John Bunyan, which I think I'd like to dig it out and, or find a copy and reread it. Uh, because he cites this passage where Christian ends up in a dungeon. He is taken captive by the giant named Despair. And every day the giant comes and beats him up. Christian feels hopeless, trapped, in despair until one day he realizes he has a key in his pocket given to him, and he uses it. 
The key is called promise. So in Reimer's book, Reimer's book, Pathway to the King, he take, talks at length, writes at length about the promises of God, receiving, but not just receiving or reading about it, but actually claiming them. And that kind of hit me hard, claiming them. In 2 Peter 1 to 4, in the Passion Translation, it talks about magnificent promises, power of these tremendous promises. And just recently, I, I love the ones in Isaiah, and there are a pile of promises, and I hope you won't fall asleep while I share these with you. I haven't put them on the PowerPoint, but Isaiah 40, verse 29, he gives strength to the weary. He increases the power of the weak. Verse 31, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. 41.18, I will make rivers flow, springs, turn deserts into pools of water, and parched ground into springs. Chapter 42, verse 16, I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. Verse uh, 2 of 43, when you pass through, and we used to sing this one, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, for I am the Lord, your God. And verse 18, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Chapter 45, 2 and 3, I will go before you. I will level the mountains. I will break down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. I will give you hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places, so that you may know I am the Lord who summons you by name. And here's a good one for people like me. Chapter 46, 4, even to your old age, and gray hairs, I am he, I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. So the promises of God, magnificent promises, tremendous promises. And Rob Reber says from his book, whatever your issue, ask God for promises. Look in the word, listen for the whispers. Pay attention to testimony. Promise holds the key. Receive the promises. So we have gone through some special time with Sabbath, with prayer, and coming up this coming month will be fasting. All these things can enrich us and actually bring about such growth in our own spirit and in our own faith. But common mistakes. Reamer goes on to talk about common mistakes. Number one, we try to make the promise of God happen on our own, on our human effort. And he cites the two examples, Abraham and Sarah, and also uh, Saul. But first, Abraham and Sarah. Remember, they, sort of, they knew God's promises, but they got tired of waiting after years and years and no baby in sight. And so they took it into their own hands. And unfortunately, many of us 
can cite times when we took things into our own hands. And what happened? Not always the best, but we have to live with whatever uh, consequences there were. And with Saul, you know, he got tired of waiting for Samuel to come, and he actually disobeyed God, and he lost his kingdom. So, number one, we try to make the promise of God happen using our own efforts. The second one, between the promise and delivery, we listen to competing voices. And it may be rational voices. It may even be the ones who we love and who care about us. Or we may act out of fear. And that's a common mistake. And the third one is quitting. Just growing weary of it all. Weary of the waiting. Even taking offense. And we resign. But Hebrews goes on to say, persistent faith and God's discipline will come. Run life's marathon race with passion and determination on the path marked out on uh, for us. So we look forward to 2024. I challenge you to keep a promise journal. And it's like this. You know, a couple years ago, Costco would sell these. And it's just great. I'm going to use that this year. I don't know if you remember last year, I challenged you that every, the first of every month to sit down and see how God moved on your behalf in the previous month. Well, now I'm going to have this book, and I'm going to every day, as I read the word, uh, write down the promises of God and who it's for and claim it. And then, wow, at the end of 2024, I can see just how God's promises came and did a mighty thing in my life. So camp out on those promises. Meditate on them. There are lots of them. And whatever your Bible reading is, whatever section you're in, pick out the promises and claim them. And together we can get unstuck. Use the keys. He is our promise keeper. We sing about that. Promise keeper, miracle worker, mighty God fighting for us. So at the end of my life, at the end of our lives, I can say with the Apostle Paul, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Now that's what Paul wrote in, uh, to Timothy, and we believe it's his last uh, epistle. I want to read, I want to read what uh, this Bible talks about in introducing 2 Timothy. It says, I have kept the faith, and this is Paul, they have taken everything else. They have taken his freedom. He's locked in a Roman prison. They have taken his possessions. He hasn't even a shawl to keep him warm. They have taken his churches. He will not see them again. They have taken his future. He is sentenced to die. What do you have left, Paul? Do you have left to show for your life? Had you stayed a Jew in Jerusalem, you'd have a seat of status and a house of retirement. 
Had you been more compromising, you might have gone unnoticed by the Romans. Had you been less passionate, you might have pastored a church and stayed in one city. But you were too convinced to compromise, too convinced to stay home. And now, with the end in sight, with the verdict rendered in the end in sight, what do you have left? The old apostle leans forward with eyes twinkling and says, I have kept the faith. That was the heart of the apostle. And that is the heart of this epistle, Second Timothy. As far as we know, this is the last one he ever wrote. Paul picks up his pen one final time. He knows the end is near. My life is being given as an offering to God, he tells Timothy, his son in the faith. But he has no regrets, only counsel, practical, inspirational counsel for young Timothy, who has been left to lead the church in Ephesus. His tenderness for the young minister peeks out from behind every word. Make every effort, he urges, to give yourself to God as the kind of person he will accept. Be a worker who is not ashamed and who uses the true teaching in the right way. Timothy never had another teacher like Paul. The world has never had another teacher like Paul. He was convinced of two facts. He was once lost but then saved. He spent a lifetime telling every person who would listen. In the end, it cost him everything. But in the end, all he has was his faith. But in the end, his faith was all he needed. So I say to you, keep the faith. Keep being in the, in the place where God wants us to be. And I wish Otto would, was here this morning. But you know, he's going to be turning 100 in 2024. And I would say to Otto, Otto, keep the faith and all of us here, that we may one day stand before God and know that we have done all that we were supposed to do in, in 2024. So let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that your word will not return to you void, but will accomplish your purposes. And in our lives, we pray that you would gather us close and direct us and truly that we would follow you, follow your voice, follow and keep our eyes on you, and not be distracted in any way by things of this earth. And not that we would just be so heavenly minded, but Lord, we want to be conscious of your spirit every day, leading and guiding us, so that we won't be on the skids, so that we won't be trapped and stuck somewhere where we shouldn't be. We thank you for all that you are going to do, and we just give you 2024. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you would like more information about us or find out ways to contact us, visit our website at www.beaverlodgealliancechurch.com. We pray today that you would experience the love, presence, and power of Jesus Christ, and then make him known.